Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london, london is blue podcast, podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by my co-host, Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, not only are we back for a match review, hence the Monday drop, we also have a double match review, Nick. Double barrel match review today. That is right. Um, anytime that you have a, a cup final on a Sunday and, and a Chelsea men's match on, on a Saturday... There's there's the odd timing thing where if you if you time it just right, Dan, you you can kind of get both in, and we're going to do that today, and it's going to be great. Well, we are, and not only is it a positive conversation about the Chelsea women's team and their Conti Cup final victory, but it's also a positive day when we bring in our friend Azar Kinsella to join us too and talk about all of these wonderful Chelsea moments, and also what maybe isn't wonderful at the same time. Hi, Naz. Hey, yeah, good to be on, guys. Back on the back on the pod, yeah. Um, no, it was good to be at Leeds yesterday, so I can, you know, one of the few people who can be on location and really sort of deliver, you know, what happened. So yeah, it was good to be out of London for a bit, trying out a new city. I thought, hey, this game will be good because you know Leeds concede a lot of goals, score a lot of goals. It'll be great days of entertainment, you know. It'll, it's going to be great, but yeah, not really in the end. Well. It's good that you made a trip out of it then, just to make sure there was more going on than just the football. Um, looking forward to this. Look, we've had Naz on monthly this season. I think most of you know we announced that at the beginning of the season. It's been great. Like I said, Naz, to have you be able to be there and and bring us kind of the, obviously not the atmosphere, because there is none, but, but there was actually some interesting insights that we can talk about when it comes to atmosphere uh so we just appreciate the that kind of like deeper relationship we've been able to have so just a real quick thank you to kick it off but before we get into this all like look we're going to be talking about tuchel tinkering and how it maybe have benefited from using the kiss model of decision making versus bielsa can't wait for dan to explain that uh then chelsea's mm. continued curious case of not converting shots this time featuring kai havertz and then we'll celebrating oh. chelsea women getting the first but not last trophy of the season sadly ending it with a, a massive blow uh but first three word match reviews dan run us through them 
Well, again, I always appreciate the three-word match reviews. And uh, first, we'll start off with Danielle giving us the birthday blues busted. Uh, it was her birthday this week uh, and then the club's birthday. So not the the finest of birthday celebrations for either, but happy birthday, Danielle. Uh, Bump Bailey 13 with the Chelsea attacking and then kind of put the comment here that only two words, because if Chelsea can't find a way to finish, why should I bother? Oh, my God. <laughs> Clever. Wow. Uh, Byron wow. with the Tebow is Turbisky question mark, which if you're an NFL fan and have potentially watched the Chicago Bears ever, uh, that might make more sense to you. Uh, Ka with difficult distinguishing buns. Ryan with the Chelsea emulating Brighton question mark. And if you look at Brighton's result today, maybe <laughs> maybe not so much. Def Juck's daddy with the saves the men day. Mm. Polly with the <laughs> said in Comic Boy guy's voice from The Simpsons, worst turf ever. And then Janique with the three or match review has gotten so popular that even Tuchel has chimed in today. Be more serious. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Chili B. I love that. I will touch on that. I'm sure Janique uh, poking the bear a little bit. I put add another trophy. Forget the Saturday match. Let's let's just talk about the Sunday match. Much much better for me. Uh, I'm trying to stay positive. Dan, over to you. And I appreciate you trying to personify your three word match review. <laughs> Blanks against buns. Man, and we have to specify man buns, right? Yes. Man buns. Correct. As oh, Dan is right. rocking on the show. Yeah. Right <laughs> close. Very close. Our very own A Link. Our very own A Link right here. <laughs> uh, Nick, what about you? Uh, look, uh, Marin Mielda got hurt in the, in the Conti Cup finals. So just an oh, Marin Mielda. Oh, Marin Mielda. Dance it out, Dan. I, Dance it out. We got to appreciate that. Massive respect to her. Uh, Naz, the professional, hasn't written it down. You're up. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. But it's tough to follow Nick's one. That was a great one. But trick, trig, triggered tuckle tirade. Couldn't say that. Triggered tuckle tirades. Because, you know, he's just giving, he's just telling his players off, you know, all the way through the game. Win, lose, or draw. No one's safe from tuckles yelling at them on the touchline. And we saw a lot of it. I guess we'll go into that a bit later. But triggered tuckle tirade. Mm. You know, it's hard for us to hear all that with the uh, fake fan noise uh, coming across the TV feeds these days. So I, I almost wish I could just hear exactly what's going on. But all right, but before we get into all of that, let's go ahead and do our gratitudes. Ben, Nate, Michael, all jumping on the yearly Patreon sub train. Uh, Aiden and, and Robert upgrading so they can access all of Joe Tweed's content. And the new subs, Omar and Kanan, Kanan, I apologize. Uh, but thank you. We've officially broken the 300 mark. So we now have 300 people in the Discord and Patreon community if you're looking for uh, some new friends. We've got a few. Dan, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it was a blank week. It was like Chelsea finishing. There were none to celebrate. But uh, hopefully you hop on that next week. Some five-star Apple Podcast reviews. And we'll shout you out on the next episode uh, after we uh, beat Atletico Madrid. Nick? Uh, yeah, so just three things for this week. Locker room. Uh, we had a second locker room yesterday after the, the Leeds match, which was fun. Um, we're going to try and schedule these and give more advance notice than we did uh, this week. We're just we're bouncing a lot of schedules um trying to do our best with that so look for locker room this week uh we're gonna hopefully have a merch shop up asap we're getting good signs so very excited about that um so i'll keep you guys posted and, and check out our socials for that and then uh little scheduling note 
Uh, we obviously have the Atletico Madrid match happening on Wednesday. Um, so that match review will be out Thursday. We have the FA Cup coming out um, next Monday. So a week from today when you're listening. And then the international break, boo, is coming up uh, quickly after that. So we're going to have scheduling uh, for the international break. We will not be going silent, but just note that you're not going to have Chelsea for a couple of weeks. All right, but that's not going to stop us talking right now about the Chelsea women in the Conte Cup final. We talked about it in the locker room. We talked about it in our... Uh, I don't know. We've talked about it because it's a cup final. It's a big time for the Chelsea women. We've clearly said best team at the club so far. Um, Dan, the celebrations, the gold streamers everywhere. Uh, a real nail biter, honestly. Wasn't sure if they're going to get this one over the line. Well, uh, no, no surprise because Bristol and the, the, the Robins, as they are, are, are not a great team. Uh, they are in the bottom rows of the... W, uh, FAWSL table and Chelsea demolished them and it didn't take long. I mean, Sam Kerr got into scoring quickly and Fran and then, uh, and Sam and then assisting each other. Like it was just wonderful. It was just a glorious way to start a Sunday after yesterday's rather dull experience of watching Chelsea and Leeds, you know, point each other at like they were playing the role of each other in the do something meme where they're poking each other, hoping that the other one does something. <laughs> That's what happened yesterday. But today we got a thrilling match, Nick. The Chelsea women were phenomenal yet again. Um, most likely player of the season, Fran Kirby, just keeps on doing what she does. It, it was magical. Yeah, look, Bristol City, uh, to their to their credit, uh, showed up today. Um, it was a huge mismatch. This, you know, Chelsea have been able to spend tons and tons and tons of money on their squad, and and Bristol City just just haven't. Um, so, you know, just just taking that all into account, this is kind of how the final played out. It was a six nil final. You don't typically see that. Frank Kirby four assists. That's a lot of assists and two goals herself. I mean, like. It was it was rampant, Naz. This was a uh, put-it-to-bed-early kind of uh, kind of game. 4-0 at halftime. I mean, it, it was just class all around. Yeah, it's a shame she can't assist herself, Fran, because that would have been great. But, yeah, it was, um, I, I like the partnership she's building there with, um, you know, there's so much rotation that I don't know how Fran Kirby can build a partnership with Sam Kerr. But, yeah, there happens to be that they have a great, great connection there. And, and you know, we're looking at... Kane and Son um, in the North London derby today, and we're thinking that it's it's not the best partnership in London. There's a uh, Fran and Sam, Kerr and Kirby. So yeah, I mean it's great, and that that team is going places. Um, I saw him saw him play the other day actually against Atletico Madrid. Um, you know, with the, the first leg, and it was excellent. It's just you know the the complete package, game management experience, and uh, yeah, I think they're they're not making much of a secret of it that they're trying to compete on all fronts and and yeah I'm trying to cover more and more of, of Chelsea women as well get close to the team and understand them a bit more and it's yeah it's interesting to see them try to take that final step because I feel like they're already at such a high level but there is there is one more step to go and, and the Champions League will symbolize that I think they want to be the best team in the world and and it's not easy to do that at all is it so yeah I mean I think they're they're getting close. They're getting close. Just the same about Marin, um, and and you've got um, you know pressure on the defense maybe in the next few weeks. Well, uh, I tell you what, just taking it overall, 
top to bottom, complete performance from the squad. Uh, it was literally levels in difference between these two teams. It was almost unfair. I think, Nick, that's what you said after about 15 minutes, that it was literally a mismatch. Um, but the clinicality and the pace at what this team plays, I think it's important that we got to see them uh, hit third, fourth gear and stay there without like playing down to the level of competition because we needed to to show teams that like clinical deadly will route you if you don't you know put up a fight uh personal favorite uh seeing on Kotchenberger hit out that side volley out to the wing up to Fran she finds whoever was the target I think it was girl found her back and played a great ball back into curve I think it was number four at that point maybe five, five either way yeah but to see like again that team Always looking for it, and anytime a goalkeeper's involved like that, it was just great. I don't know if you have a favorite out of the bunch or like a player you want to pull out, Nick, but yeah, too many to choose from. Yeah, I mean, I I love it. I love an assist. I think um, I think Fran's fourth assist was her best. Um, back to Wrighton, uh, it was a brilliant cutback, and you know, it's like look. For, for a person like Fran, who's come back from this long, long, long injury layoff, um, illness layoff, actually, to to have the season that she's having, to sign the new deal, to be playing at probably her best level ever. And she was really good before this. <laughs> like, you can't can't forget that. Uh, this is – it's a remarkable comeback. I mean, it's rem- she looked mad to go off on the, on the 60th minute uh, with – four assists and two goals. I mean, she looked mad to go off. These kinds of games are fun, you know, when, when you're playing so well. So I, I think it's just indicative of the mentality of this team that they want to keep going. They want to keep playing. Dan, they want to score as many goals as possible. They want to have fun. Um, and what's also cool about Fran is after Mielda's injury, she kind of led the, hey, let's grab her jersey Let's make sure that she's a part of the the celebrations, even though she's obviously in the hospital getting a scan uh, for what looked like a nasty uh, knee injury. Uh, so I like I think she also has the empathy <laughs> to to understand that situation and not uh, not forget her friend. Well, it's a it's a class group of individuals who happen to be the uh, I I think we will make the case in the season that they are the world's best uh, women's football team. Bar none. I, they just are amounting in kind of that, that way in that fashion. I made a joke earlier that Emma Hayes is basically like Thanos collecting Infinity Gauntlets at this point, but her gems are trophies and she just pops them into place. Um, you know, I, I think uh, the Miel de Miss is going to be massive. And if there also were some photos at the very end of the match as the women were walking off the field post celebration that Sophie Engel was kind of being carted off on the back of Burger too. So that's going to be another question mark of what what actually happens now in defense and how the Emma handles this, how we reshuffle a little bit. Uh, and I think also, you know, a shout out to, to Sam Kerr too. You know, I think there were a lot of headlines in the beginning of the season about how, you know, she was struggling. Uh, when was she going to start scoring? There, you know, it was, it was kind of like when people, you know, looked at, you oh, know, Ronto Timo we missing. Giving- when Dan, we were giving you a hard time for cursing Kerr because you got her jersey. It's all about you, man. Come on. Oh, what was the name <laughs> in the back of your kit this year, Brandon? Cuthbert, baby. Uh, okay. No, I'm wearing my Millie Bright shirt right now. So. What about your men's jersey? 
Hey, yeah, you Brandon. remember Fikayo Tamori? That was in support and solidarity. <laughs> mine's mine's Pulisic, so that clearly has gone well. Yeah, no, no, but, but anyway, to your uh, point, the, your the point hits bit. hard right now with Sam Kerr and her cape abilities. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that Naz, you know, the the Kerr the Kerr resurgence is phenomenal. The Mielna miss is going to be pretty big to kind of figure out, and so. There's uh, there's highs and lows for this team at the moment, and you know, kind of only a single sour note on this whole affair today. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, to retain the competition is 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 a great achievement, and it, it took Chelsea a while to get that competition. Don't you forget? So yeah, um, Emma's really built this team up, um, and and she's kind of found the team that she really wants. It, it's going to be a beautiful story for Emma Hayes, um, just to sort of like maybe you know get Chelsea to the Champions League, win it, become the best team in the world, and it feel it'll feel like um, you know a, a decade long mission really from her, and, and you know life's work as well because. Her story before Chelsea is very interesting too. So yeah, it's it's amazing, and I, I think you know if I was going to shout out another player, Lupoltz, I think is a it's been a great signing, um, and she might be an answer at the back because she is physically dominating. I think she'll be missed in midfield as well, but um, yeah, to have her breaking things up at the back could be could be another option, and and I think Emma likes the position rotations and stuff but yeah I'm liking Kerr now I'm seeing what she's about you know I, I was a bit like you I wasn't sure at first and, and you know she's got this big reputation you want to see her doing it in Chelsea colours um, but yeah the way she stretches teams in behind there's not many players like that and yeah I mean it was a great finish today I thought from a, you know the first touch and, and shot back across goal um, yeah it was it was special it makes me it's one of those finishes that you watch and you think Oh man, I miss playing football because you know I'm still just about playing. I'm just about young enough, and yeah, it, it was it was beautiful to see. Just such a tight control. Um, she's a finisher. All right, yeah, I, I would say about this uh, final note: Emma Hayes' leadership was on full display after this. Um, the Chelsea women did not look like they won a trophy after they won the trophy. Uh, this they they got in a big circle and you could tell it was a pretty emotional group, you know, because Marin had, had been such a big part of all the success leading up to this and uh, had played really well today, uh, you know, again, and had scored the penalty midweek uh, against Atletico and has, has been featured a lot. And so it's, th- there was a lot of emotion flowing after this and this team was not overly excited to, to beat an inferior opponent. I think they have their eyes set on bigger things, but I think for to see Emma pretty emotional after this kind of shows you how tight the group is, and with a with a group that tight, with that many friends on a on a team, you can do a lot of things uh, with with that mentality. So just massive shout out to those guys, incredible performance. But I think probably a better, more friendly group than anything like that, and they're they're just incredible. They're, they're so much fun to watch. Well, I think one uh, one final comment. A uh, co- co-worker of yours, Naz, Amy, uh, put out the comment here that uh, Emma Hayes gave Sam Kerr a 4.0 for the backflip, says the second half of it was, quote, sloppy, unquote. I've waited 12 months for that. She could have given me a heads up. <laughs> yeah, she's been egged on Never... to do it. But yeah, she's been uh, reluctant in Chelsea colours, but it's back. Yeah, I think a cup final goal, I think for anyone, really, the final meant a lot to her because she's not been there and done it with Chelsea yet. So it's her first trophy in Chelsea colours and, and it's big. It is big. Now, that's important. Winning a trophy is huge. That is what Chelsea is about. 
We've done it at the youth level. We've done it at the men's level. And don't forget, we've done it at the women's level. And we will not stop. This just is what Chelsea's ethos is built around. So celebrate it. If you haven't, take the probably 27 minutes to watch the highlights back because of all of the goals and all of the chances that Chelsea had. It is well worth your time. I mean, we've been preaching this all season. Go watch this team. It was free on the FA Player. We plugged it. We promoted it. Make sure you get there. Um, But we're going to go ahead and transition into the far less exciting Leeds match review time. It was Leeds United in the Premier League this past Saturday, the 13th of March at Elland Road. Scoreline Leeds nil, Chelsea nil. Can't wait for Chelsea's official app, the Fifth Stand app, to go ahead and run us through the highlights, the lowlights, the whatever lights you want to call it. But hey, if you haven't downloaded the app, go do it. They let us use the audio. We appreciate it. Here we go. We do love the fifth stand app, but I've made an executive decision. This game is boring. So, uh, welcome to Jake's scoreless draw rundown. Uh, hopefully, I actually put real air horns there. Um, Mindy made a really good save. That was cool. He he touched the ball. He t- he almost fell, but he touched it. Um, they almost scored for us. That was pretty cool. Uh, they didn't though. So, um, no goals happened. That's it. Back to you guys. All right, Dan, what was your favorite goal? Oh, oh, never mind. (laughs) Honestly, I don't even know if there's going to be anything. Jake might have gone to grab the highlights and that Chelsea just didn't put him out. Dead air. It was just a faint hum (laughs) silence echoing throughout the moments Uh, of the earbuds. Maybe we heard Naz typing, typing away. Um, Dan, run us through the lineup so we can get into this this nil-nil goal fest. Yeah, so it was Edouard Mendy between the sticks. No surprise. Rudiger, Christensen, uh, Azpilicueta, and Chilwell. Then you had Jorginho and Golokante, Christian Pulisic, Mason Mount, Hakim Ziyech, and then a uh, forward listing of Kai Havertz, uh, Keparitha Balaga, Marcus Alonso, Kurt Zuma, Emerson, Mateo Kovacic, Olivier Drew, unused substitutes, and we did see appearances from Reese James, Timo Werner, and Callum Hudson-Odoi. All right, high-level stats real quick. 62.3% possession for Chelsea away on the road. Eight, uh, we had 15 shots, eight on target. To lead seven shots, four on target. Busy day for Mendy. Um, we actually outpassed them, out-tackled Pissy them. Busy day for Mendy with four <laughs> shots on target. Hey, it's a big day. He's I not mean, wrong. Comparatively, He's not wrong sure. At all. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah. that's that's what I mean. So uh, 20 clearances there, 14. They had eight corners to our five. Uh, three offsides to their five. Um, three cautions to, our, to none for us. And 16 fouls conceded for them to six for us. Uh, the XG really is going to blow your mind here from at Kaylee underscore graphics, who uh, always does a great job with this. Um, leads, 0.5. Chelsea 1.1 says create more than half an expected goal against Chelsea challenge saying that Chelsea, it is really hard for us to give up more than half an expected goal in a match, which has been the theme. So Naz expected goals, stats, lineups, Tuchel tirades. Where do you want to start before we hit our ad break? Yeah. I remember I just wanted to say how I felt really before the match. So I was looking at the lineup and I was like, ah, what? Uh, where's everyone playing again? And then you're like racking your brain and, and you get this discussion about where people are playing and, and the guys at BT Sport were like, it's it's 3-4-3. Three, three. And I was like, yeah, it's 3-4-3. Three, three. And then the Chelsea Chelsea guys were like, no, it's four to back. And you're like, what? Uh, you know, you're like, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, Pulisic 
he'll be the winger, right? And um, yeah, you actually watch it on the pitch and you still didn't really know for sure what the formation was because it was quite... There was some quite unusual positioning on the pitch for me. I was like, yeah, I mean, Ziyech didn't really know what he was doing. He was kind of just playing in his usual role, um, despite probably should have been a 10, but he was kind of just like going into Pulisic's space. And him and Pulisic were, you know, stepping on each other's toes a little bit, I found. So, yeah, um, it was it was a confusing day, really, formation-wise for me. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was it was good though. I was really happy that Pulisic got a start. He's the, you know you're looking at the players who haven't started under Tuchel in the league, and he's the biggest name by far. Emerson, Gilmore, uh, and Willy Caballero, and then you got Pulisic. You know, completing the completing the four. I mean, Tuchel rotates, but Pulisic doesn't get in. So um, I, I was happy to see him, but yeah, I mean, I don't think that. I don't think that the lineup really did him any favours, and and I think uh, you know even Tuchel admitted before the game that um, he was kind of resting Kovacic for you know you probably would like Kovacic playing against Leeds because of their energy and intensity, but um, you know they're resting him for Atletico Madrid because it's a big game, and uh, Mason Mount and Jorginho are out probably for harsh yellow cards in the in that game. So uh, yeah, it was um, it was an interesting lineup for me in that regard, but. Uh, yeah, it didn't really, you know, bear out too well, in my opinion. That is a fact. We we were on locker room yesterday with, with some of our friends after the match, and you know, I think Shane came on and said, "No, it was clearly a three-four-three," and I didn't see it that way at all. I saw four at the back at times. I think it was as Dan showed on on Twitter during the match, an amorphous blob of players. I struggled, like you, Naz, to understand what Mason Mount and Hakim Ziyech were doing positionally. Pulisic seemed to be relegated to the right, very right corner flag. Yeah. <laughs> um, most of the game, like it was, it was uh, absolutely crazy. And I think before we go to ad break, the the only thing I would add here is I think Tuchel tried to out Bielsa Bielsa yesterday. I think he got too cute. Okay, can of worms. How do you squeeze this too in right for an ad break? Because this is going to be a tease. It's the tease. Yeah, honestly. It's the tease. Ever heard of a teaser? <laughs> yeah. Hey, so I thought this... Uh, anyways, um, we'll come back to that. But yeah, we are going to take our ad break. Naz, all I have to say to you is, if you just want to download the Chelsea Fist Stand app, it would have told you it was a 4231 where everyone was. No, you know, settle the argument. You don't got to listen to BT. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got the app, but yeah, I was, I still wasn't sure. Uh, I, I had to see it with my own eyes. <laughs> exactly, and and like, look, half the time they put those lineup sheets out, and you're like, mm, is it? I don't know. Anyways, we're gonna take the one, our ad the break. The one not to listen to, though, by the way, is UEFA. Never listen to UEFA. Oh no. no, no, always wrong. They they don't even try. I mean, it's actually like them just trolling the rest of us. They'd have Pulisic at center back. All right, we'll take our ad break again. Thanks to these sponsors for financially supporting the show. When we get back, apparently we'll answer Nick's massively teased point about Tuchel being too cute to out Bielsa Bielsa. And we'll also talk about the rest of the match. Here we go. So, Nick, do do you want to do this again or do you want me to drag this out a little bit? Oh, drag it out. I mean, oh, okay. I teased it, so let's let's keep it let's keep it strung out. So, how much did the tinkering Tuchel impact the result versus Leeds, and was it actually that different? 
Uh, we scoured the internet, found this up-and-coming journalist, uh, Nisar Kinsla from Goal.com, well worth a follow, uh, said, Chelsea have been so fluid that they perhaps lost their identity here. It can unsettle a man-marking lead side, but are perhaps confused their attacking play. He continues on saying, looking at the average position today, Pulisic playing, the higher than, or playing higher than everyone else, Chilwell very high up too. Equally, without the ball, he was tucked in behind Ziyech. It was more like Chelsea tried to be fluid without it coming naturally. Uh, this average position map here, um, Dan. Bonkers. I, I don't know what to say, and I think you might be the only one that can maybe attempt to describe this. Well, I, I, Nick co-opted in locker room yesterday, but I will say it's it's Tuchel's attacking amorphous blob. is what it, It's almost a flat five in attack, which Chilwell pressed so far forward next to Mason, who's almost level with Kai, <laughs> who's almost level with Ziyech, and Pulisic is just a, maybe a hair or two ahead of them. Uh, Conte is your next furthest forward, and then you basically have a back four that consists of Jorginho and Azpilicueta being on the same level on average position with Rudiger and then Christensen being your your deepest player in the match uh, other than than Mendy. And so it, it's just, it looks weird. I actually think it played, you know, outside of like the changes, I actually think the bigger issue is the players who changed into the system, not being ready to receive, not knowing where people were, were planning to be. And I think that actually caused a fair number of problems. I mean, there were times where Rudiger passed the ball into empty space and was like, okay, well, you would expect someone to be there, but they weren't actually there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, Naz. I mean, you saw the amorphous blob in person. <laughs> How did you feel about it? So that's a, that's a very distinct three, two, five. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a bit like it's a bit like Conte's three, four, three in a way because the wing backs are so far forward that you know Alonso used to score millions of goals. So that's what it looks like a bit to me. But it's um, yeah, it was a bit of a mess, and there was times that. I think Pulisic, I was watching him quite closely in the game, just trying to see what happened, and, and Tuckle kind of drew your eye towards Pulisic anyway, because somebody always gets an earful from, from Tuckle. I remember the last game against Everton, even though it was an unbelievable performance, I thought Chelsea were brilliant, but Werner and, and Rhys James were really getting it um, from Tuckle that game, and then this game, it seemed to be Pulisic and Chilwell, and that says it all about what went wrong, really, is the wits. You know, I think they were trying to use width and, and you know, wing backs that may be converted into wingers, um, you know, at times as well. Um, it was really confusing. I think it's confusing for them. And, um, you know, a lot of the performance uh, of, of Pulisic, a lot of eyes were on him because he's not been playing. And I think it's not fair, really, to hammer him for the performance because he's just not got the match rhythm. He's not playing in a typical role. And, yes, he's played for Tuckle before. And, yes, he's played sort of a wing back um, where he tracks back a lot, but um, I think he was all over the pitch, really. Um, and then Ziyech, I think he's, he struggled to get into the game, which hurt Pulisic because he's on that side. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a really strange performance. And a lot of the time I saw Pulisic was sitting in midfield with Mason Mount as well. Uh, Mason Mount and him just seemed to drop into midfield, and I was like, what are they doing now? It was just so, <laughs> it's so bizarre. And I think it was overthinking it. You know, I think you see it with Pep Guardiola occasionally in Champions League games where even a great manager can overthink it. And, and Leeds play this unique style, probably something that Tuckle's not gone up against. You don't probably don't see it too often in France at the moment uh, or in Germany where they kind of man-mark teams all over the pitch. Um, and they are good and they are they have that energy. And, and you know, their, their players just follow you. So... 
you know, Rafinha was playing against uh, Chilwell, so he'd be the man marking Chilwell all game. He'll track him even if Chilwell goes right wing. He doesn't care. He's going to Chilwell. But certain teams that have battered leads this season that have really scored against them have moved them around in really clever ways. And then, you know, you get space in behind. And I think Pulisic was supposed to be that guy who kind of finished, you know. They'd, they'd kind of maybe move some guys around and Pulisic would be the guy in behind and finishing. But it just wasn't working. The fluidity wasn't there as I sort of said in my tweet and I think that maybe also it's a case of yeah Chelsea can do this in future yeah they can move you around and you know playing with Mount Havertz and uh, Ziyech they're supposed to be clever with space but they didn't seem it so much in that game even Mount got subbed off I couldn't believe it he never gets subbed off man not when a game's in balance um so yeah it didn't really work and maybe it was a case of like um, you know, uh, Tuchel trying to do too much too early at Chelsea. You know, he's been successful, being rigid, being solid, and maybe containing leads and and finding, you know, gaps would have worked. But hey, Leeds are a good team. Um, and yeah, I think that the fact that they created against Chelsea was credit to them because nobody creates chances versus Chelsea. Mendy's not even had to. Mendy's having an easy clean sheet at the moment. That wasn't a, that wasn't an easy clean sheet that game. Um, I still think Chelsea was slightly the better team, but I think nil nil was probably a fair result in the end. And um, yeah, Tuckle's got a lot of thinking to do. What he does in the future with Pulisic? Can he coach him to make him better? Can he coach him to make him better in the role he wants him to be in? Um, and and also um, you know just just you know when to abandon um, sort of being rigid, being solid. Uh, and when to be fluid um, does he ease into it or does he change overhaul it radically I don't know but um, yeah I mean it give, gives him a lot of you know food for thought I think and I think it was a pretty below par display and he was quite kind in his press conference I'd say as well having been in it sat in it I thought maybe he was a bit kind on on the players I'd have been maybe behind closed doors he was a bit more annoyed than than uh, you know he was in the presser well I, I think you know, going back to your tweets about fluidity and, and you know, I, the funny thing is this looks more like a 3-4-3 to Shane's point than it does a 4-2-3-1. Um, I, I also appreciate that Jorginho is behind the half line and N'Golo Kante was in front because you think about when you're a little kid and you're like, all right, defenders can't cross half. It was like, Jorginho, don't go too far forward. Let N'Golo Kante chase. Um, and this, the fluidity was there, the unpredictability uh, I don't know, again, if this was Leeds forcing us into this problem, Nick. I don't know if it was, again, to your point, maybe about Tuchel trying to out Bielsa Bielsa and like throw a curveball at him. Maybe he was just saying, hey, you guys are, you know, top, top players. Go go occupy spaces and figure it out. But where we struggled was when we had the ball in possession in our with our defense, the defensive third or defensive backs. We kept playing into their press. Drove me freaking nuts. And um, when then we tried to find the release to get out of pressure, when we got the ball into the the wide channels, there was no one there. We saw Aspie play the ball into space that no one was there. We saw Christensen, I love Joe Tweeds Lily said, he literally just glitched. He just broke and just passed it where he knew he shouldn't, but he didn't know what else to do. Uh, and then I was super annoyed when Christensen passed it back to Mendy as there's three Leeds players standing in front of him. And then they chased Mendy and he had to then deal with it. It just, for whatever reason, um, I think we just lacked structure and organization today. Again, if it was a formation change, if it wasn't formation change, if it was a Leeds effect, but you know, 
while Naz said it's a 0-0 is a fair result, it's not a good result for Chelsea. When you look at the teams that have beaten Leeds, I mean, even Arsenal win 4-2, right? Villa win one nothing, West Ham win 2 nothing. who were battling for a top-four place with a potentially, however, this their match at the United goes later today. It just... It, it seemed to to not be a structured, cohesive unit like we've come to expect from Tuchel's teams. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys made most of the points I was going to make, so I'll, I'll be relatively uh, short <laughs> here. I I think he just got cute. I think I think there is this obsession, and I don't know why this exists in within managerial circles of trying to out tactic Bielsa. I, I really do. I think I think he's gotten under so much, uh, so many managers' skin over the years that they just want to go embarrass him. And the the funny thing about beating Leeds is, as you just mentioned, Brandon, those results, those teams are by and large counterattacking teams. You think about what Manchester United did to Leeds; it was simple. It, it was they kept it really simple, and of course they finished their chances, which Chelsea have not done, but. A little counterattack here and there against Leeds when they get stretched, that's the way you beat them. You don't have to out-possession them. You don't have to out-cute them. You don't have to walk it into the back of the net. It, 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 it's, it is really just crazy uh, that you, you saw this really good performance against a really good Everton team that on, on Monday that, for my money, was the best of, of Tuchel's bunch so far. It was clinical. Everton didn't even have a shot on goal. It was, like, easy. And then you you abandon the structure and do this weird amorphous blob thing, Dan, and it doesn't work. And I know that two has to sub in players. Like you can't just keep running the same play over and over again, right? You have to rotate your squad, but you have to rotate your uh, your squad within a structure. And I think he abandoned that today, and it, it was really silly. Well, and and look, we we are not professional uh, football managers. Uh, Naz is the only professional here in the sport, as it were, amongst our group. But just a casual look at the possession stats over the course of the season for Leeds, it would have told you that maybe it's actually not a good idea to have additional possession because the vast majority of their losses, uh, we're talking 10, 11 of their 14 losses in the Premier League, come when you actually give them 59% or more percent of possession. So, like, you know, yes, we, we actually kind of, even though the way it looked on the pitch, I think it was more due to maybe the players and the fact that we were getting pressed by leads because I think the same structure of ball retention, recirculating it, uh, recycling it back to attackers was all very much the same. What really should have changed, and I think this is where Tuchel did miss the mark, is you should have said, hey, you know what? We are so sturdy it, when we have been able to get you contain teams, we've been able to constrict chances, let them have the ball and break with speed because that is the way that every team that has taken them to task this season has been able to to do a number on them. And so I, I just don't, you know, I, I don't maybe get that part, Brandon, because I think it looks pretty obvious on paper when you start to see the more possession they get, the more likely it is that they're going to actually lose the match. They're going to be the their own failing as it were it used to be our problem <laughs> teams would give us a possession <laughs> we'd we'd pull ourselves apart get in balance and get counterattacked. yeah yeah i wanted to just jump in that there's three number 10s playing and a and a left back is the sort of there's five attackers <laughs> as we've seen from the average position map and of those five attackers there's uh three number 10s one left back 
and uh, a winger in Pulisic. The only one who likes to run in behind was Pulisic, and he was the one getting shouted at by Tuckle because, you know, one, he wasn't quite running behind as much as, as Tuckle wanted him to, but two, he's trying to run in behind from wing-back or wherever that position is that really far out on the touchline. Nick touched on it earlier. He's basically playing near the corner flag, and he's trying to run in behind from such a far, long distance away. Um, it might have been a game for Werner, or, or you know, it, it might have been a game for somebody to run in behind that you can just find with those balls. You know, we, we mentioned it. Speed, speed works against Leeds um, because they they do pull themselves out of position, and somebody quick can get in behind. I mean, I think Havertz could do it. He's very quick, but he just doesn't seem. Like he wants to do it, he doesn't seem like he wants to run him behind. He, you know, he's a good, he's a good potential number nine, I think, but um, he's not a natural for, you know, being that guy off the shoulder who can find the space. Not Jamie Vardy, is he? Well, I mean, to be fair, I don't want to run him behind either. Like <laughs> Kai Havertz, like just play it to my feet. So, speaking of Kai Havertz, Havertz, for Ooh, all of you keeping so, track at home. So close for a um, shot. He was the latest contestant on Scores Struggles for Chelsea, the new game show that we play week in and week out. <laughs> so since we know Bielsa and Leeds didn't erect a force field Come around the goal, uh, what has to happen for Chelsea to find the goals once again? So my thing is, Naz, you, you talk about speed and maybe they're the best one. I almost felt like we needed a target player to at least put the foot on the ball and let people run to or beyond them it just seemed like every time Kai he just didn't want to like step to the ball or fight for the ball and we kept getting dispossessed every time it went to the the top of the pitch but I think there's a lot of different ways to skin this proverbial cat and we just didn't choose the right one at all today um so I, you had your tweet Tuchel on Harvard's performance unfortunately or quote unfortunately he couldn't finish like he did in training and like he can finish. He could have been the decisive guy, and quote. And then he added that he's generally happy with him and that he trusts him as a number nine. So is this essentially uh, he does it in training, just didn't do it on the pitch day? Because I thought he should have had one, could have had two. Yeah, I mean, if anyone could have won the match, it was him. Just the chances fell to him. So sometimes it's about who the chances fall to. Um, sometimes it doesn't fall to a striker. So yeah, but it did today. Um, you know, he, he was the one there. Um, I thought the one, he didn't actually have a high XG, but I thought the one he took on his right foot at, at the end of the first half, I thought that was actually the biggest chance because he got a few touches and you saw his speed and you saw what he can do in and around the box. Um, and it was good play, but I thought actually once he got in the position, he could he could bag there. So yeah, I thought he was the potential match. And I think that's what Tuckle was talking about, actually. And um, yeah, I think he's trying to... He's trying to experiment with the team in so many ways. And, we, you know, we talked about the way he rotates. And, hey, you know, since Tuckle came in, by the way, uh, since January, he's had, he's made more lineup changes than any other manager. And you can say that's sort of a good thing. It is, and it has been, because Chelsea have the depth to cope with COVID football, being in all competitions, fighting on all fronts. But it can also trip you up. And I think that this game was the first game it tripped them up. But for... For Havertz, I think that, you know, trying him out, I think it's, it's a bit of experimentation, trying him out as a number nine, seeing if it works, because, you know, it's weird, but he doesn't trust Giroud there that much, and he could have been an option, yeah. I mean, he's a different type of target man than Havertz. He could maybe do flick-ons. He could maybe win the duels that help somebody else get in behind, but somebody had to get in behind. That's the point. You know, when, when Giroud plays well, you know, Hazard used to get in behind, and that's that's what used to work. So, yeah, Havertz is number nine. I like it. I do actually like it. I think it could work. Um, 
I think he has to prove himself, though, and I think that, um, you know, before the summer when Chelsea have money to spend in a transfer market, I think that these next few months are going to be interesting to see if he can be one of those options up front. I think that Chelsea will find a use for Havertz, but it's been a bit of moving him around, seeing where he works. But I think actually nine, as a number nine, it could it could be the role. It, it could mean bad news for certain other players, but, um, you know, against Everton, I thought he was brilliant. I sh- he can show what he can do. And I think that you've got to keep playing somebody in a position to really trust them, you know, to give them a chance, to give them a fair shot. You know, the amount of time Werner's had to try and get goals, to try and get himself back in form. Havertz needs that now. He needs five, six, seven games just playing the same position, getting used to it, getting used to his teammates in that role. And I think that we could see a, a really big player. And we saw at Leverkusen at the end of last season, he was banging the goals in across across all competitions he was brilliant up front I think he got um, 8 goals in 11 games so he can do it he can be a striker he's a great finisher great in the air um, so flexible so elegant I'd love to see him really ripping it up up front but yeah at the end of the day scoring goals is the responsibility of the individual Tuckle can't make them score he can make maybe get him a few more chances with clever coaching clever movement but these guys are getting chances and they, they need to somehow somebody needs to step up and maybe, in a way, Tuckle's not playing the guys who maybe handle the pressure best, and that might be Abraham, who's got a point to prove. Nobody expects anything of him because he's in the academy. Um, so, yeah, it's difficult, but I think that Tuckle's banking on the new signings just like Frank Lampard was. Frank Lampard banked on Werner and Havertz have come good, and I think that Tuckle's doing the same, and, and maybe the false nine will work for Havertz. I'm, I'm, I'm backing that decision. I hope so. I mean, someone needs to score. Uh, I, I don't care who it is. I really don't. I mean, Werner struggled. Havertz struggled. Tammy's probably the most clinical of the bunch right now. Giroud, in in off, you know, kind of on and off moments, will will struggle. Uh, I mean, it's it's just it's wild the lack of finishing on this team. Uh, at, at the current moment, and I don't, you know, it's not, it's not just the striking core, Dan. I think it's, it's everybody. I mean, we saw Marcus Alonso miss the easiest chance of his Chelsea career on Monday against Everton, and you're like, uh, I mean, if he's not scoring, then, then who? He's probably the most clinical one of the of the whole team. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, I think that the Tammy one is interesting, and I, I actually think this would have been the match that, if he were healthy, would have been perfect for him. You know, he loves to run in between the lines for defenders, and he would have been giving the the Leeds defenders a whole heck of a ton of problems. I mean, he's got the best um, per ninety goals total in the Premier League for Chelsea this season, point five three um, goals plus assist of point six two, which is also the highest for the team. Giroud would be next at point five one. So and I think Giroud just doesn't have the speed to kind of bring himself back into the game, and, and probably would not have been the right person. But I think Tammy and, and Kai potentially playing off each other. Maybe kind of going to really a front two, which you know Tuchel has done before. You, know, you think about uh, you know Neymar and Mbappe playing off each other. You know there, there's an opportunity to build something of a cohesive attack, and you know still keep you know a, a fair number of defenders on the pitch. You know it does mean you know what ha- happens to Hakim Ziyech, what happens to Christian Pulisic. I, I do think then that kind of puts questions or question marks as to what happens with them. Uh, actually, I think Ziyech is the one who's probably most or the furthest out of this side right now in terms of being up to the pace. I mean, even, you know, uh, 
you know, even Havertz looks like he's, you know, more on the pace, more ready to be involved, putting himself in the dangerous positions. I mean, he had shots. Um, none of them had an expected goal of, of over 0.12. His best shot actually came in the sixth minute, uh, according to the, the stats, Brandon. And so, you know, you, you would have liked to seen a conversion here, but we also aren't putting ourselves in chances to get really high quality shots. Um, I think we talked to our friend uh, Joe Tweeds that the highest individual shot no one's getting anything above a point three in terms of expected goal over the past series of matches and so you're you're hoping for individual brilliance to beat out against you know what you know defenders and goalkeepers which is not really a winning strategy yeah cumulatively kai had a point eight you know but he had uh, I've got it here he had a bunch Four of shots, shots right yeah so yeah you're looking at point two you know Pulisic had a point three Chilwell had a point two, Timo had a point one, and Golokante had a point one, and then were zeros. I'm starting to get really concerned that Edouard Mendy is not contributing to the XG of this team. Um, more more long balls. We need some. I think we found the real the real problem now. Look, City's keeper this. can get assists. Damn. Why not ours? Ederson can. He absolutely can. <laughs> you know, to the point. You know, I think the biggest thing that confused me today. None of us should be confused that Chelsea aren't scoring a lot of goals. That's what we've come to expect under Tuchel Naz. Today, what surprised me was that I was just, all of us, I shouldn't say me, all of us were just confused at the chaos that ensued in this match. Tuchel was not able to contain it. He made some subs, maybe changed formation. We're not really sure. To me, that was the biggest red flag, was that it seemed like, whatever game plan they had was completely out the window. So again, do you think this is a Leeds Bielsa type of thing that I remember it's like you, you can't set your team up to play Leeds 38 times in a season because you're only going to play them twice. And there's such an extreme version of the Premier League that you just kind of like set up shop and, and, and hope you deal with it on the day. I mean, is that what you do with Leeds? Yeah, maybe, but I think, you know, you could make a bespoke tactic. It could work and you look like a genius, but, it, it, you know, I think that's what Tuckle tried to do and it didn't work. But I think it was a sort of setback, really, in terms of the players carrying out instructions, doing what he wanted, um, you know, really, really delivering a game plan. Um, I think he felt frustrated just sensing it because, you know, we're in these empty stadiums. We can sense Tuckle game by game and get a feeling of, you know, his in-game management, he calls it game mode, where he just hammers his players, which he always does. It's not easy to play for Tuckle. We know that. Players say that all the time. Chelsea players aren't saying that, but ex-players of Tuckle say that, so we know it's tricky. Um, and yeah, you sat there and you're thinking, Tuckle's extra mad today. I mean, he had an argument with the sporting director of Leeds, who was very loud, by the way. If there was ever a loud audience uh, at a game, it's the Leeds sort of staff, which just berate the referee, try and get decisions in their favour, shout for every decision it was interesting to see really. and Tuchel was just fed up with it yeah Tuchel was like shouting back because it's you know imagine being in a stadium with a hundred people you could shout at each individual one say shut up you and that's basically what he did with uh with especially with the sporting director who was the loudest guy in the stadium and there and there's Gareth Southgate and Petr Cech and the Chelsea entourage um all looking very very calm and sheepish at the whole situation but yeah you you're sensing that sort of frustration at the team and and yeah I mean it it was also, you know, as a journalist sat in the stadium, you're there waiting to write on the whistle, like often I write like articles at the end of the match and 
I was like, Chelsea are not controlling this. I can't write anything. I mean, the last few games, I've been writing my article at half time, being like, Chelsea are breezing through this match. And, and um, you know, even like, you know, playing teams like Liverpool and Man United, there was more control over those teams than there was over Leeds. And Leeds are not in great form. Patrick Bamford went off in the first half, but that style of play unsettled them a bit too much. You know, they are a. Um, you know, really well-drilled team, but not with great players, and and they really were unsettled control-wise because Leeds were pushing. There's a free header at the end of the game um, in mm-hmm. Chelsea's box from a corner, and you know that could have been a defeat, first defeat for Tuchel. And, and hey, we can't hammer him too much. It's a great record, 12 games unbeaten. Um, he might break Scolari's record in the next game against Atletico Madrid of, of 13, which has never been done by a Chelsea manager. But it, it, it is dull. It is a little bit dull watching him. And um, they lost control. Usually it's dull and you can forgive them because it's COVID football. They're getting points even if they're not getting three. But there was a chance they were going to get zero. And, you know, one loss can sort of snowball into three. You know, we know that um, confidence can be hit. So it was um, it was OK to get out there with a point in the end. But um, there's a lot of work to be done, really. And, you know, um, Tuckel, I'm really giving him the benefit of that so much, though, because, you know, he's, he's barely had time with these players. He's been there six, seven weeks. He's not really coached them. He's not really coached that fluidity, and I think he he wants to find it. Um, but yeah, there's definitely concerning elements, and um, yeah, I mean we're gonna have these moments. Um, but I think Chelsea just need to have as le- little as them as possible to get in the top four. It won't take too much to get in the top four, but they'll need to they'll need to raise the game a bit from Leeds. I mean they can afford to be average and still finish fourth, but um, and that would be a great achievement for Tuchel because they were tenth. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a lot of things to address there, and and yeah, I mean, I think some of the fringe players are struggling. Like I said, like Pulisic, I'd like to see him in more, a bit more involved, and and maybe he'll lift the game. And and you know, if you want somebody stretching him behind, that's going to work. And maybe there's going to be tough decisions. Um, and maybe he's freezing out the wrong players. I'm not sure. You know, Ziyech really struggling now um, as well and that's that's something else that's concerning why is he so, suddenly having such a bad dip after being the best signing of the season for the first few months it's it's quite interesting to see well I, uh, uh, well yeah a lot there I think that one the fact that we're not conceding is important at, at the end of the day if you really want to build long-term success not only are we not conceding, we are literally suffocating teams out of matches where they don't even have a hope. Today, though, Leeds had hope. Uh, some fantastic efforts, actually, that were goal-bound. And we haven't seen a lot out of Mendy lately. He stepped up. He was big. He saved points today. Unequivocally saved points today. Uh, Dan, you think earlier in the season, you know, Mendy was clean sheet, clean sheet, clean sheet, then Howler, Wobble, crazy coming out giving stuff up and you're like is he gonna be all right and then he settled back in Kepa had a little run um you know Tuchel came back and said no 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 don't worry Mendy's number one it seems like he's solid so obviously you can run through his stats today but I'm interested in your guys's perspective the three of you out there that that are not no cards that are, that are temporary Temporary enrollment in the goalkeepers' union. Well, if we praise Edouard Mendy, right? Well, I don't know if we're gonna let you in, That's but we, we want to hear what you have to say because. <laughs> I so can I yell from the street. I don't need to be in the <laughs> club. I just want to say hi to Edouard from the street. So I want to know uh, again. 
do you guys are you guys more impressed with him or is this what you expected? Is he above your expectations, below or, or spot on from what you thought when we we signed him from Ren at the beginning of the season? Well, he's but you know I think every stat pan out that he should be an average or above average goalkeeper in the Premier League. And to that effect, he absolutely has been. I mean, 31 matches, 18 goals conceded, 19 clean sheets. Uh, I think a lot of those have now come, uh, you know, some some of those are coming under Tuchel sides that are giving teams, you know, 0.2 expected goal, 0.3 expected goal, facing two shots on target in a match. I mean, Ewa Mendy could potentially lease out the space in front of goal and take a walk for periods of the match. I mean, just, it's like... He's not having to be put under pressure, which if that's the case, your, your defense is doing a great job and your life is easier as a keeper, I would imagine, Brandon. And so, you know, I, I think what I'd like to see, you know, maybe not, not like to see, but, you know, I mean, he, he needs to get maybe tested just a little bit more. But I think in general, it's a very positive signing for uh, for the club. And, um, you know, it's great. It, it just, you know, kind of puts into doubt, you know, what's going to happen to Keppa at the end of the season, um, particularly as teams and clubs, you know, are looking for maybe a replacement. We're trying to figure out how we can afford additional signings. He's a massive, uh, massive weight on our books. What happens? Nah. Look, oh, yeah, go ahead, Nick. No, no, no. I, I would just say about Mendy, I, I think the only. The only weakness I see in his game is this, in, like the insistence that we have in playing out of the back against the high press. I think there's a couple of uneasy moments there, uh, but uh, you know, overall, I think his his shot stopping has proven to be really good. Uh, I, I was impressed by that. I was kind of unsure about that. Uh, his aerial dominance is on full display. I mean, if, if you put a cross or a, or a corner in. Anywhere around him, he's coming to get it. And he's such a big body that I think defenders or, or attackers, I should say, are scared to kind of get close to him and, and not not in the same way that they would with Keppa, where they're trying to steamroll him through. <laughs> uh, they know that there's some real meat on the other side of that uh, on the other side of that. So I, I just yeah, I've been impressed with him. And, and frankly, look, clean sheets are a team statistic. They're not a goalkeeper statistic, uh, much like wins are not a quarterback statistic. And, and I think the defense as a whole has performed in a way where Mendy hasn't had a whole lot to do. Naz, I mean, he's been, been there. Yeah. It's it's like, how do you judge a goalkeeper as world-class unless they're not really getting pressure on them? Um, and that's what Mendy's been like. I've been sat there in so many games and I'm like, I don't actually know if he's any good, but the Leeds game was kind of a reminder that, yeah, he is good. That shot stopping, uh, you know, save from Roberts in the first half, that's sensational. Um, the footwork so, was key there. Yeah, oh, my yeah. gosh. I know, I know. And he's just so athletic and big, just simply big, and, uh, you know, gets there. And that's that's so, so impressive. And I was looking at some pretty in-depth analysis before the season, and um, what Nick said is true. You know, the crossing, coming for crossing, that's an obvious attribute. It's massive. He's got to be one of the best in the league at that um and that's that's a physicality thing but yeah he's really quick as well you know one-on-ones he's done really well I remember Old Trafford Rashford was through on goal and he was just right out on top of him and and that's that's uh, another great attribute of his and, and yeah the short passing his distribution's okay long balls he's very good but short passing um he can make a few mistakes there so that's that's the one thing. I don't think he's a world-class goalkeeper, but for $22 million, um from Wren, very good. And I think all Chelsea signings come to Chelsea. The ones from the summer have come with something to prove. They're all stepping up a level, every single one of them. Even Werner, who's been in the Champions League, they're stepping up. 
to a new level. Chelsea want to win. They want to win the league. This is, this is what I think people forget sometimes is that um, Chelsea want to win the league. They forget that a lot of these players are good, but sometimes recruitment has been poor in the last few seasons or they change manager and the, the whole squad has to learn a new style of play and, and that's been a bit frustrating. But I think Mendy, you know, he can probably fit in under any manager uh, and adapt. And yeah, I mean, it does put Kepa in a uncomfortable position because... You know, Tuchel has left the door open a little bit to Kepa, giving the giving that league league game against Newcastle. Okay, Newcastle aren't going to shoot at you, but um, yeah, I mean, it was it was good that he left the door open a bit for for Kepa. But you know, he's closing the door is Mendy. He's closing it right back. He's like <laughs> Tuchel's opening the door, and Mendy's just getting his big arm across and saying, "No, sorry, sorry, Kepa." Um, and yeah, actually, it will be interesting to see if Kepa plays Sheffield United because um, FA Cup opens the door again um, and, and what can he do um, Sheffield United were very poor today against Leicester I watched that game um, but yeah I mean even there you know this this high stakes game it's quarter final um, it's big for Chelsea so it'd be very very interesting to see that and I think that if he doesn't play that game Kepper it really pushes him towards the exit door for me and, and you know if I was Kepper I'd also be asking that question and and hoping that some clubs have money after COVID in the summer and, and maybe try and get him at least on a loan for a season. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, that's sort of the way I view the situation, really. Number two goalkeeper in the depth chart is a very lonely position. You don't get a lot of fringe substitute minutes in that role. Uh, can confirm. So anyways, just to stir the pot, uh, Kepa has a 12.1% cross-stop percentage and Mendy has a 7%. Um, but I won't get into the fact that Kepa has only faced 33 and Edouard Mendy's faced 171. So anyways... Are you telling me that those numbers are different? Is that <laughs> what you're saying? sample size is slightly different. And okay. that obviously cool, doesn't cool, get cool. into like defenders clearing and all that stuff. So If you remember, if you remember last season, the three weaknesses of Kepa were one-on-ones, crosses... And uh, also just shot stopping in general, and uh, I think Mendy has done okay in all those areas. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's tough to be a a goalkeeper if those are your three weaknesses in the Premier League. So to, just to to finalize on Mendy, um, his footwork is much better than it was at the beginning of the season, which mm-hmm. is credit to him for you know essentially just working on it and getting better. But it is. Not where we need it still by any means. So uh, work in progress for for Mendy on that. Uh, Dan, let's go ahead and uh, head this one to the to the exit door of the club since we're still up in here. Uh, Dan of the match. Up in here. Well, huh? no surprise. Wow. Gosh, it was terrible. Wow. You just had to let it. A throwback, it a baby. Oh. Oof. That was All right, horrible. well, Brandon's <laughs> definitely trying to get us out of here real quick on a low note, but we'll bring it back up with the Dan of the Match. Uh, no surprise, Edouard Mendy, who we just waxed poetic about, sort of, uh, ended up with 70% of, of the total, and Golo Conte was 16%, who definitely, as Brandon would say, had himself a day in midfield. Shot. Uh, Rudiger <laughs> with 8%, and then Christensen was 6 uh, When you don't score, you can't really put an attacker on there, so uh, this was the, the best of the bunch. Wildly defensive. Wild. Rudiger did well though. Rudiger did well as well. Like against Rafinha, mm-hmm. who's an excellent player. Like Rafinha had nothing all game, and uh, yeah, I thought Rudiger, you know, reminded me he's decent because sometimes I don't know how good he is, but uh, he's okay. He's a uh, he had a good game, really good game. So hopefully that builds his confidence, and 
and he needs it because he was at risk of being dropped by Germany and you know this is a Euro year everyone's battling for that so much especially certain players and he's one of those players that you know almost left in January and now he's back in contention for Germany and Chelsea so it's great great for him he just scares me on the ball running forward it just I I'm worried um he credit where credit's due just like I've you know, been open about how I'm not a fan of Christensen. Rudiger yesterday was definitely one of the better players. Um, but to me, that just says that we had a bad day. <laughs> All right. Some of the results around the Premier League this weekend, as we record, it is actually the North London Derby. Uh, Derby, as we speak, Arsenal up two to one to Tottenham. No idea how this one's going to end with 30 minutes left. Um, but uh, some, some of the other results, right? Uh, actually, Nick. You're the one who watched probably almost all of the these. The degenerate. <laughs> I am, dude. I am in full degenerate mode. So yeah. let let me let you run through this. Allow uh, me the pleasure. Villa drawing Newcastle. Why on uh, yeah, Friday day? Fr- you know, terrible. Uh, that's a bad result for Villa. Uh, Chelsea leads terrible. Uh, Palace West Brom. I did catch a nap during this one, but uh, you could forgive me if, if I couldn't stay awake for that. That was horrible. Burnley Everton game of the day yesterday. Unbelievable result result for Burnley. Uh, the McNeil uh, upper ninety is one of the goals of the season. I mean, incredible if you haven't seen that one. Uh, Man City dispatching with Fulham, even though Fulham were the better team in the first half. Uh, that that was an easy win at the end of it. Brighton finally getting off the schneid a little bit, uh, beating Southampton today. Arsenal currently ahead 2-1, as Brandon said. Goal Leicester, of the season will probably be Lamella with his Rabona <clears throat> goal for the opener for Tottenham. Yeah, weird weird Rabona too. It's like a low kind of daisy mm-hmm. cutter Rabona. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Hate him. Uh, and then Leicester just completely knocking down uh, a hapless wilder less uh sheffield united uh as as the managers moved on five nil so the less result did not go in our favor hopefully the arsenal result does and then hopefully there is a scoreless draw nas a scoreless draw special between your manchester united and west ham united coming up that would do us a, a lot of good thanks could we'll be, could be. Manchester United are in very bad shape at the moment. I saw them against AC Milan. Shout out to Tamori, did very well. Um, but yeah, lots of injuries. Lots of teams are having injuries. But yeah, the Sheffield United score as well. I think that shows how bad they are. Uh, they were awful. They were so awful. And Ampadu is not even going to be playing for them against Chelsea. I, you know, I think that that's the situation. That's what I've heard so far on the grapevine anyway. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a weak team. It's good teams having a cup quarterfinal. So Chelsea have got to be able to score more than one goal against that team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not banking Come on. on yeah. <laughs> you say that, but... Wait for this Chelsea to prove you wrong. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah, Port Ampadu with an own goal today too. I haven't seen it, but anytime you see uh, that on the score sheet, not not great for him. No, um, but he did it after the own goal. He kind of like picked up the ball and he was like trying to get his team up because they were just being destroyed in the second half. And yeah, yeah. He, he was he like, a why leader. He's yeah, a leader. Why is this twenty-one-year-old trying to lift all these uh, old-school championship players? But hey. That's what he's doing. Fair play to him. Yeah. No one will ever question Ethan Ampadu's mentality uh, or work ethic, I don't think. that That's definitely not the question. Uh, so the table as it stands again in the middle of the North London Derby before uh, West Ham United play and before, um, what is that? 
I missed it. Wolves and Liverpool play on Monday. So with that being said, it's Man City uh, walking to the league title on 71 points. Leicester City in second on 56 points with the game in hand. United third. They still have a game to play. uh, 54 points. And then Chelsea in fourth on 51 points. So again, three off United and four goal difference between us. Now West Ham in fifth, right? They have technically two matches in hand, but they just need to play today. But they're on 48 points. So if they beat United, we go level, but we still have a, a, a very aggressive goal difference advantage. Everton on 46 points with a game in hand as well. So again, if all the points are had, that changes things. Uh, Tottenham in seventh, Liverpool uh, in eighth, Villa nine, Arsenal 10. So we want Arsenal to beat Tottenham, as we said early, all week. Uh, Ugh, that's the disgusting re- to think about. Hey, I doesn't mean you support Arsenal. You just want them to beat Tottenham. I know. It's just, and if you want Arsenal to beat someone, Tottenham's a pretty damn good choice if if you had to. So I hate everything about this conversation. All right. Ar- and Arsenal have become that plucky underdog team that you want to help your team. That shows how far <laughs> they've fallen. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, yeah, we were talking about how West Ham are much more of a threat than than Arsenal this season. So uh, relegation, Fulham trying to scrap their way out of it. Obviously, playing Man City doesn't help, but they're in 18th. 29 played, 26 points. West Brom, 19 played, 18 points. Big Sam might finally break his streak of never or of always avoiding relegation. Sheffield United, good as gone. 29 played, 14 points. Um, Newcastle slipping, Brighton slipping. Those are really the only two teams you see slipping in potentially to the relegation battle because Burnley, Southampton, Wolves, there's enough breathing room and they have enough quality based on those other teams below them that. You know, I, I I just don't see it happen. Naz, tables that stands, your overview. Chelsea, top four, 100%, 80%, 50%. What do you think? My confidence has been shaking a little bit, but I'm still really back in Chelsea. I mean, the, the run is good. I saw, you know, the usual reaction, a bit over the top online after the game. Yeah, it was a bad performance, but everyone's picking up the odd bad performance here and there. And Chelsea are pretty consistent, you know, compared to some of the other teams and it's not a great it's not a great league beyond Man City this year it's it's a very weak league and I, you know I think they'll get they've got a good chance of getting second I, I know I, th- I think Man United are really starting to struggle Leicester have their own problems although big win today um, I think that that will be the top four with Man City though those those three teams with Man City but um, yeah I mean who's the best of the rest we're seeing Spurs losing Liverpool have been absolutely abject. I think that maybe, you know, at one point they'll just focus on Champions League football as well. So try and win the Champions League there. They did all right against Leipzig, but in the league they've been absolutely abject. So, yeah, maybe Liverpool will recover, but, you know, I'm not really backing them at the moment. And it's weird that West Ham might be the main contender. Um, You know, with Everton also dropping points, West Ham might be the, the team to push... Chelsea all the way. Um, who'd have thought it? They certainly aren't a great team overall. And and one injury to Declan Rice and Mikel Antonio, and they're gone. So uh, yeah, I'm back in Chelsea totally. Good. I think I think I gotta I'm gonna circle the April 24th date on the calendar, which is when West Ham and Chelsea are currently scheduled to play one another as top four potentially clash. a a deciding a top four deciding match between the two sides. The two titans. 
<laughs> East versus West. <laughs> the we, Titans of London this season, that's for sure. They're going to have to find the, the Manchester United Liverpool hype video style and do it for Chelsea West. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enjoy that one, Sky and NBC. Um, yeah, Naz, I think we're going to answer that. I think West Ham are going to answer that question in the next couple hours. You know, can they yeah. can they beat United? Can they really be, you know, on level points for top four? And Or do they still struggle against some of the bigger teams? So we'll have to see. Anyways, Naz, thanks, man. Again, if, you, if you're out there, awesome. don't realize it. Naz is on Twitter, super engaged, super social, writes brilliant articles on goal. Uh, go follow him. Check it out. Uh, but yeah, it's always, always fun to chat shop with you, sir. Yeah, cheers for having me on, and and for you guys, you're getting a window every month into my hair. How mad it how mad it gets without <laughs> without the barbers open in London. So yeah, no, thanks for having me on as ever, and yeah, it's just great to catch up with you guys. Love being on. Honestly, you're just not trying hard enough. Pulisic had a sick fade yesterday. <laughs> do Clearly, my own fade. <laughs> yeah, I need to get some it. advice. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he just had a, found a YouTube tutorial and did it himself. Nick, I mean, it's super easy to look that clean. Apparently. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I tried it. I tried it during the uh, the lockdown over here. And it is uh, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> it's awful. All right. Well, anyways, again, uh, more content coming at you this week. As Nick said earlier in the show, uh, plug the Patreon. It's the Discord community we have is absolutely fantastic. Uh, and obviously go follow Naz. So more stuff to come up as we head into Champions League later this week and, and, and embrace it all before uh, international break coming up. So that's going to wrap us up, Chelsea fans. So until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.